The arrest did not open. Where the f yes! Max, try pressing the DRS after your curbing. Max, I think you may have closed it last time around. Because I'm pressing it 50 times before it opens. Just try one button press after the curb. Just leave me alone, I know what to do. Okay, he pushed me off the track. I think you have to leave the space. All the time you have to leave the space. Here comes the Matthew Sebastian Vettel. You are the world champion. The world champion. Well done. Enjoy it. You are the Mercedes threw everything at him today. Charles Leclerc has come brilliantly. He won in Spa. He wins in Monza. Max Verstappen. You are the world champion! The world champion! Get in there, Lewis. Yeah. Champion of the world! And it's lights out and away we go! Welcome to episode two of the DRS Activated Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Calabrese. Uh, yeah, we are right in the middle of car launch season right now. Uh, I consider this episode to be car launch season kind of part one, I guess. Uh, the next episode will kind of highlight on the on the remaining teams to, uh, to have launched their car. Uh, so far, um, kind of getting right into it. Um, into the car launch season. Haas uh, announced their car launch last week. Um, they have a new uh, new sponsor with MoneyGram, and their their livery is kind of, um, uh, I guess, in relation to the MoneyGram colors for the most part. Uh, I kind of touched up on that last on, on last episode, but um, for the most part, it's it's a pretty clean look. Um, I, I like the black and white with the red trim. I think it's pretty sharp, and that'll look pretty good on the grid. Um, it's certainly a lot different than the last couple of years they have primarily being like, you know, a blue and white with some red. Um, also I believe, you know, the sponsors have changed as well. Um, so that's kind of that. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, with each team with, you know, each, with each team that, that launches their car, so many questions, uh, get brought up and, um, you know what's the expectation from the team, the drivers, um, and and stuff like that. So, I guess with each car launch, we'll we'll highlight um, some of some of the expectations. I think um, are, are kind of expected, and the driver expectations and whatnot. Um, first and foremost, Haas, I believe, is a team that expects way too much from their drivers with the car they give them every year. They are a team, I feel, that they think they are much better than they actually are. Uh, maybe not so much in 2021. I think they realized they had the worst car on the grid and they're focusing all of their efforts on 2022. But I think they're a team that thinks they are way better than they actually are and they have a way better product um, that they actually have. And, you know, it's it's too bad because the drivers, it, it, you know, so much more pressure gets put on the drivers and... I think when you when you as a team put more pressure on your drivers, your drivers don't perform nearly as well, and that's that's too bad. Um, I mean, you know, it is what it is, and Haas is one of the lower budget teams on on the grid. Um, but you know, your your expectations, I think, at some point in time, have to be realistic, or something's something has to happen there. Um, I think with the 
drivers now. They have a different driver lineup than they did last year. Mick Schumacher is gone. Nico Hulkenberg is in. Uh, some people were pretty upset about that. We'll, we'll touch up on that in a minute. But um, expectations, my expectations for the drivers is of the two drivers, Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg. I think Kevin Magnuson um, is a little bit quicker. I think he kind of proved that last year he can still drive in a Formula One car after taking a year off. Uh, than being brought back because Nikita Mazepin was forced out of the sport. Uh, I won't I won't comment on that any further. Um, but I think Kevin Magnuson will outperform Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, I don't think it will be by a lot. You know, I think at the max twenty points he'll overachieve. You know, maybe a max of twenty point. Or, you know, I should say a gap of twenty points between the two of them at the max. Um, I think he's a quicker driver. Obviously, he's a little bit younger than Nico Hulkenberg. Um, but I think Kevin Magnuson, somewhere, he, he'll probably have a max. I, I don't know, you know, who knows what the car is going to be like. Haas also has a Ferrari engine. That Ferrari engine is supposed to be fantastic. That remains to be seen. We will see come testing in Bahrain and uh, the first race also in Bahrain. Um, but Kevin Magnuson, I think a ceiling of probably... You know, I think P13 at the most. I'll have to write that down somewhere so I don't forget this when I do my driver predictions before the first race of the year. Um, and I think um, also Nico Hulkenberg probably a ceiling of somewhere around the same P14, P15, somewhere in there. I, I don't think Haas is going to be making noise anytime soon, if ever, uh, on the grid. I think, you know, the team itself... Um, you know, everyone loves everyone loves their team principal Gunther Steiner. He's he's one of the most, um, I guess, you know, you, you want to say, he's one of the best personalities on the grid. He's certainly one of the best personalities within uh, the Netflix series Drive to Survive. He's one of the most personable, and he's very animated, uh, and he tells you how it is. Um, you know, that's just that's and some drivers like that. A lot of people like that. I personally think it's hysterical. He's he is hysterical. I, I'll give it to him. Um, but being funny doesn't mean you're a good team principal. It means nothing. Um, so team expectations, I would not, I wouldn't put them higher than P7, P8, P7 on the grid. I would not put them higher. Um, and it's too bad. Like I, like I mentioned, Haas really thinks every year they have a better product than they actually do and better drivers than they actually do. And it is what it is. Um, I think a lot of people, too, are really upset about the whole Mick Schumacher situation, how they let him go at the end of last year and replaced him. Um, I mean, I get why they did it. I do. He, this is going back to wanting their drivers to perform more than they, more than they can. 2021, Mick Schumacher's rookie year. They had the worst car on the grid by a long shot. It wasn't even close. I mean... It was maybe the worst car ever put on a Formula One grid, and they and people were bashing him for it for you know for his performance, and I don't think it was fair. And last year in 2022, they had a much better car than they did in 21. Obviously, 20, 2021 they scored zero points as a team. Uh, in 2022, they scored points in their first race, so obviously a much better car. But again, their car, they it's. As a team like Haas, who has such a low budget, they don't develop the car as fast as 
say, a Red Bull or Mercedes or Ferrari does throughout the season. And it showed. Their performance was awful, you know, throughout the year, later in the year. Um, and they want their drivers to to perform when teams around them are developing their car, and these guys are doing nothing. So it's too bad because everyone loves everyone loves Mick Schumacher. He's a wonderful personality and a wonderful person, obviously. And he's a Schumacher, so there's no reason a Schumacher should not be on the grid. But very happy. He got a reserve role at Mercedes. He's going to develop there for a couple of years. He's going to see up close what Mercedes is doing and how they develop their drivers. And he's going to be able to watch Lewis Hamilton up close and George Russell up close. And he'll have the best resources possible for anyone as a Formula One driver to develop and become a better driver. I think it's perfect. Um, and having a Schumacher at Mercedes again is kind of like it's like full circle. Mick's father was there when Mercedes relaunched their program in 2010 after they took, after they bought, I believe they bought uh, Braun GP after 09. I'm pretty sure they did. Anyways, uh, Michael took over in 2010. He was one of their drivers to help develop the team 2010, 2011, and 2012. Um, and I think it's just full circle. And I believe Michael drove in 1990 as well for Mercedes and um, in some endurance racing. That was just... Actually, you know, that just that just popped up on one of my feeds, that uh, Michael, uh, his in uh, 1990, driving for Mer driving a Mercedes um, around the Nurburgring, the 480 kilometers of Nurburgring, pretty cool stuff there. Uh, going in now to our next car launch, that is Red Bull. Got to give it up to Red Bull. I don't know. I mean. Do we expect anything different out of them? I really have no idea. You know, if um, <laughs> you got to give it up to them, they have they have had just about the exact same livery for the last five years, and maybe you know almost the exact same livery for going back, you know, ten, fifteen years. You got to give it up to them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's uh, it's recognizable. It's almost as recognizable at this point as a red car in the grid. Um, you know, not much to say about delivery. It is what it is. It's Red Bull. It's navy blue. There's Red Bull on it. It's a, it's a pretty recognizable Red Bull. That's all. That's all you can say. Um, but some interesting things, or a very interesting thing, when they launched their car, they announced a new partnership with Ford starting in 2026. That is big news. Um, Red Bull right now, obviously, Red Bull powertrains, very much inspired by the Honda engine they used. Um, I think it's still technically considered um, Honda. It's largely in part with Honda, even though they're Red Bull powertrains. Um, but that's big news coming in 2026. Ford is going to be back on the Formula 1 grid. They haven't been on the Formula 1 grid for over, over almost almost or over 20 years, or exactly 20 years. Um, and that's big time. That's a big time deal. Um, having an American manufacturer on the grid now, too, is even better. I mean, it's great for Ford, perfect for them, because, you know, Formula One right now is in a, it's just in a massive boom across the United States, largely in part to drive to survive on Netflix. Touched on that last episode. Um, but having Ford back on the grid again is, like I said, a, a pretty big deal. And... It's interesting Red Bull would do this because I, I'm I thought for sure they'd have you know 
I guess, a more strategic partnership with someone who is a, a sport brand and not so much, you know, a sport or performance brand and not so much, you know, kind of just the everyday brand, I guess. I, I don't know how to say it correctly. Ford, I guess, for the most part, it's it's not a luxury brand by any means. It's not a performance brand. It's not, you know, it's 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 the everyday, every man's car. Um, you know, there's a reason why they produce the most cars and not performance cars. It's interesting. I know there were some talks um, early, or, you know, some point last year with uh, Red Bull partnering with Porsche, but I think Porsche had the wrong idea and Red Bull didn't want to go with that. I think the... The idea I got um, with the Red Bull Porsche thing was that uh, Porsche, for the most part, wanted to, I, I guess, just throw their name on on the Red Bull engine and call it a day. I, I didn't think they wanted to help too much in terms of developing the engine. I think it was more of an investment than it was an actual um, strategic partnership. Uh, Ford, uh, for the most part, I believe... Um, is is supremely helping with the electrical side of the engine now, which these engines are, they're hybrids right now. But I believe Ford is going to be the leader in um, electrical, in the electrical department, the electrical side of the engine uh, for Red Bull. Um, Ford obviously has many electrical vehicles on the road right now. And I believe Red Bull thinks that um, they're, expertise of the electric car and the electric, um, you know, power, um, it will help them immensely. And Red Bull wouldn't do it if they didn't think they could win championships with them. I'll tell you that right now, because Red Bull is not in the business of losing. We know that. And, um, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. They settled on that. I thought for sure they'd settle with a different European brand and not Ford, but nevertheless, very cool to have, uh, Ford back, on the grid come 2026 it's going to be cool seeing the ford emblem on the red bull and that's going to that's going to uh, you'll have a lot of casual fans that that'll see a ford emblem on a red bull now and all of a sudden there'll be red bull fans that's what's going to happen too good for ford good for red bull good for formula one obviously in the long run too to have more fans but i don't know i don't know where i was going with that pretty cool though. i'm, I'm excited to see ford back on the grid it's uh it's cool as an american you see him in nascar um, you kind of see him across, you know, some rally stuff, but you don't, you know, having him in a formula one is big again because formula one is, is, uh, is huge across the grid or, uh, or across the country, I should say. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm excited to see, um, a Ford emblem back on the formula one grid, uh, kind of again, now this will be my theme going for these car launches. Um, team expectations for Red Bull, nothing less than a championship will be satisfactory for them and i think that's well i think that is where they will end up again i think they will be p1 in constructors and i believe um that it's it'll be a little bit closer than last season i think some i think mercedes is going to make a big jump and ferrari will make a a little bit of a jump that they have last year um but p1 is nothing is not out of their reach certainly after last season um and I think that's where they're going to end up again as a team. And there's no reason why that that team cannot expect that out of their drivers. Um, certainly Max Verstappen winning back-to-back championships and Checo Perez um, being a, a wonderful... They don't, they will, they'll never call him a support driver. They just won't because they're, they're too nice. But 
my opinion, Checo is the clear the clear number two on that team, and so I mean, so many other opinions as well. He's the number two driver because you have Max Verstappen as your number as yeah, I mean, it's just not even close. The who's a better driver, um, but he is a great person to have as a teammate for Max Verstappen. He, you know, maybe after last season, uh, he won't admit it, but he he'll do anything to stay on that team. I think. Uh, driver expectations now, Max Verstappen, anything less than a championship will be a disappointment, and I think that's what he'll, where he will end up again uh, is winning another championship. Uh, Checo, I think if, you know, he thinks he probably could win a championship if he has, you know, a lot of things go his way, if he outraces Max, which I don't think Red Bull will let happen anyways. Um, but I think, you know, he could certainly end up in a P2 position in the championship. There's no question. He finished P3 last year, and he was tied for... Um, I believe they were tied for P2 going into the last race of the season, or he had a slight advantage. I don't remember. Um, either way, uh, P2 is not out of reach for Checo, especially with the car they can put on the grid. There's no question about it. Um, I think anything less than P4 is a disappointment. Or I'll say I'll say P5. I'll be generous. I'll be nice. Anything less than fifth place for Checo Perez will be a massive disappointment. Um some other news, too, with Red Bull. Uh, obviously, Daniel Ricciardo is now their reserve driver. Um, that's kind of a big deal, depending who you are. Um, I think it's cool to see Daniel back in a Red Bull, uh, you know, Red Bull race, a race suit. But at the same time, I think he just might be their media mule. And I, I don't mean that with any disrespect at all, because... Daniel Ricciardo is one of the most lovable characters across all of Formula One and all of racing. Um, his personality obviously is second to none. He is just, you know, you can watch him, you can watch him, you can listen to him talk, you can watch him do his thing all day. His smile will light up the entire room, and he is just a wonderful person to have, possibly as your person to do all your media functions. Um and, and good for him to, to land a reserve role because I, I don't think he ever should have left Red Bull to begin with after what I think was a 2018 or 2019, whatever season that was. Um, he should have stayed. He should have stayed right there at Red Bull. Um, I think his his I think his concern was that I think at the time um, they had they were having some issues with their engine manufacturer, which I believe was Renault, and they had some they had some pretty they had, they had some tough times before they picked up Honda. Um, but yeah. If he stayed where he was at Red Bull, um, I think he'd be a little more successful than he is today. I don't think the move from Red Bull to Renault was the right option for him, and obviously it it wasn't. Uh, and then the then the jump from Renault to McLaren, obviously not the right option for him, which is too bad because you know whatever happened happened there, you know behind closed doors and and what else, but. Um, good for him. I'm happy that he's back in Red Bull and he's kind of right where he should be. I think, um, you know, if, if he wants to race, continue to race after his reserve rolls through and, and Perez's, uh, um, contract is up, I think he might land himself a seat again with Red Bull. And if he does, it would not be surprising in the slightest at all. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Red Bull. Excited to see Ford back with them come 2026. Um, anything less than a championship with them again is a disappointment, I think. They'll have, I, I think they're going to have the best car on the grid again, after, especially after last season. 
moving along now to Williams. Uh, they launched their car as well. Um, I, I like the blue. I like their livery. It's it's clean. It's not too much different from last season. Uh, my favorite thing about their car, though, is their partnership with Duracell. And right on the top of the car, in the top, um, I don't know what you call that, the the intake, I guess. Um, it's pretty cool. The It looks just like a Duracell battery, and it's shaped just like the Duracell battery. It's pretty clever. And I'm just noticing this now. I just noticed that the other day, but I guess that was there all last season, too. Um, that's kind of cool. Um, with them, though, they announced their a new partnership with Gulf. Uh, yes. I think people knew that going into the team launch, though, and I think a lot of people were hoping for that Gulf livery, which would have been unbelievable if they ran that for the entire season. The Gulf livery on any car, any automobile, any sort of race car is are just the best colors. Just that powder blue and that orange, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it is the... It could be the worst performing car in the grid, but it is the best. It would be the best looking car in the grid by a long shot, and it's not even close. And I don't think people would care that it's such a bad car being so pretty that it is. Um, team expectations for Williams. This is a tough. This is a tough one because you know you think of the Williams name and you see their history and how much and how much success they've had in Formula One, and the expectation for them. I do. I do not see them finishing above P10 this season i don't um they have a new team principal they have a rookie driver lineup or they're not a rookie rookie driver lineup a rookie driver in their lineup now um and i i just think a lot of things that williams are sort of being turned upside down and i if i mean I, i don't see them leaving formula one at all but they're certainly in a rebuilding phase there's no question about it um you know, P10, uh, I think, is is where they will end up. And if they finish above P10, I think that's a successful season for Williams. I, I truthfully do. Um, new driver for Williams, though, American driver as well, Logan Sargent. Logan comes in from Formula 2, having some success there. Um, and, you know, um, I think the right move for Williams, probably, I think they got him relatively... Uh, relatively cheap, um, so you know that's a good move for them. Also, Williams now being one of the lowest budgeted teams on the grid, um, it's uh, it's you know it's the right driver I think for them right now. Who knows? He you know uh, Logan started. He didn't win the championship in Formula Two, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, you know he he could get into a Formula One car, and that might be where he's most comfortable. And he can perform in a Formula One car better than he better than a Formula Two car, so. Um, but yeah, I I I want Williams to be good so bad because, uh, I mean, just you know, at one point in time in the you know the eighties, the nineties, and, and you know, they were one of the best, if not the best, team on the grid for that time. And it's just it's too bad because. They have so much history within Formula One and so many championships, and they're just, you know, in recent history in the last few years here, they've been terrible. And I feel bad for them because I, I, wa- I want them to be successful. Um, so it's, that's a, it's a tough one. Um, the driver expectations, I, I, I would have to think, you, you know, um, 
the driver expectations for for those for those two drivers are not insanely high. Maybe it's you know the expectation for Alex Albon is a little bit higher than Logan Sargent um, because I believe Alex Albon is an, is an excellent driver and he can probably get more out of that car than some other drivers on the grid could. Um, so I think somewhere, you know, Alex Albon will score points. He, he he proved that last year he could score points in a Williams, and I think he will this year. Um, Logan Sargent, however, if he scores points, that's magnificent for him. That is magnificent because I don't think anyone is expecting him to score, if he does score points, score anything more than 10 points. And I think a ceiling for Alex Albon is probably somewhere around the 25-point range. With that Williams car, he can he's driving max ceiling twenty five points, and somewhere around ten points for Logan Sargent. So, you know what? I hope there I I hope they can find some success, um, especially having a new team principal. James Val is coming over from Mercedes. He was a uh, Valtteri Bottas's long um, his uh, his race engineer, and um, I think I I think they'll find some success. Not immediately, obviously not immediately, but. Um, in the next couple of years here, I hope I hope they do. I hope they find some ways to develop their uh, their team again and and you know fight for some podiums hopefully. Because I want Williams to be good. They have arguably my favorite car ever to be put on a Formula One grid in 1992. Nigel Mansell. That car was oh my god, just the just the the most beautiful looking car. You know ever one of the best ever. Oh, I hope I hope Williams figures it out. I really do. I really do. Okay, moving along now to our final team so far from this uh, car launch part one. Uh, that is Alfa Romeo. Without a doubt, the best looking livery that has been launched and the most interesting looking car that has been launched. I should also note that I, I believe the other three cars, the Williams, uh, the Red Bull, and um, the Haas, they're all just show cars. Haas, I, I think Haas's car wasn't even, it was just a digital rendering. I don't even think it was a real, an actual car. Uh, Red Bulls for sure was a show car. Williams, I believe, I believe was a show car. Um, and Alfa Romeo, uh, they they did release uh, a a rendering, and uh, it was it was an actual it wasn't it was an actual uh, it was the actual car um, for the most part the actual car their C forty three their Challenger they're calling it. Um, but yeah, they, so, so far they have the best looking livery on the grid. Uh, they have a new partner in stake, um, I believe. And they, the red and black is sharp. It is a sharp looking car. It's going to look great on the grid, especially at those night races. It's, it's just going to pop. It's going to look beautiful. Um, <laughs> going into their, uh, <laughs> the design of their car. It is an interesting design. They have these teeth-looking things on the side of their car on the floor, um, which is going to reduce the weight, obviously, and it's obviously going to have some kind of aerodynamic function. But people are calling this car Verstappen-proof. I couldn't help but laugh, even though that's very mean, very, very mean. I could not help but laugh that people were calling the car Verstappen-proof. Because of those teeth-looking things on the floor of the car, that is just—it is—it's a little bit of a uh, 
it's it's a little mean, but I, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm trying not to be a meme account here. I'm really trying not to be. And there's so many things that are memeable within Formula One and any sport for that matter. But that is uh, that was a funny thing. I just had to I had to throw that in there. No shade on Max Verstappen at all because he's a wonderful driver. But that is I couldn't I couldn't help but laugh. Could not help but laugh. Um, the Alfa Romeo name though is leaving the grid after 2023. Um, they are slowly. I'm sorry. Yeah, after 2023, the Alfa Romeo name Alfa Romeo name is leaving. I believe they're just going to be Sauber for 2024 and 2025 before 2026, when they turn into Audi, which is very very exciting. Um, I I would imagine that Audi is going to have their own um, power unit in that car. I, I don't think um, they'll be they'll be a um, a customer team of Ferrari anymore. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to to see Audi on the grid come 2026, another performance brand that's uh, making their name on the biggest stage in the world. And I think a lot of people are possibly expecting Mick Schumacher to be on that team come 2026, possibly with the reunion of Sebastian Vettel, but who knows? That would be unbelievable, though, if they could do that, have Sebastian on the team for two or three years, like a Michael Schumacher was with Mercedes, help him develop the team and have the right um, have the right people um, involved for, for making that team successful. That'd be, that's, that's sort of my pipe dream. And I think a lot of other people's too, but definitely mine to see Mick Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel on the same team together. Um, but very, very exciting stuff out of the Alfa Romeo camp. That car is just spectacular looking, but that means nothing in terms of performance. The best looking car means absolutely nothing. Um, I think so far the team expectations out of them, um, I think they're pretty realistic. For the most part, I, I think they'll they will generously fight for P6. Um, I think anything less than P8 or anything less than uh, yeah, anything less than I'll say P7 because I'll, I'll make it a little difficult on them. Anything less than P7 out of that team, um, I think it'll be a disappointment. They have a good driver lineup. Valtteri Bottas is an excellent driver. He is very consistent. He will win you a race if given the right tools and the right um, set up and the right, just everything for that week. I don't think he's a driver that can, that can consistently fight, um, you know, for, for, for podiums every week, just with the car they've, they've given their drivers every year. Um, and Joe Guan Yu is a good driver too. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, I think he, he proved last year he could, he could fight in the midfield and I think he'll do the same thing again this season. He'll certainly provide some points, and Valtteri Bottas knows no question about it. He'll, 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 um, he'll fight for sure a lot of points. Uh, out of the drivers themselves, though, I think, um, you know, you might get one podium at the max for Valtteri Bottas if he does get a podium. I think that'd be a massive accomplishment for Alfa Romeo itself. Um, and if Joe Guanyu, I think if some if he were to land a P5 somewhere, that'd be a massive accomplishment for him. I, I think those are the ceilings for both those drivers, and with the way the team has been going, I think that's uh, I think that's not unrealistic. Um, I certainly think Valtteri Bottas wants that team to succeed, and he's he's voiced that he wants to stay there for an extended period of time. And I don't blame him. He's a wonderful driver to have. If if Audi were to pick him up in 2026 and say, hey, you know, we want you for another three years to go, um, I I would not be upset with that at all he's a great driver he's only going to help you and he's he will only um he will only 
bring success for the team. And he's a positive mind as well. He'll he'll never he'll never let you get, um, you know he will never bring negativity to anything uh, on your team. Just the way his personality is, and I, and Joe Gwen, you will not either. Though I don't think he'll be there come twenty twenty six. Unfortunately, um, I hope he finds another seat on the grid come then. But who knows? It's a long way away. It's three years away. So yeah, that being um, that being the part one of the car launch. We have four teams so far who have launched their car. Being Red Bull again, Williams, uh, Alfa Romeo, and Haas. And the remaining six teams who have yet to launch the car, I am very excited for that being Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, Alpine, Aston Martin, and Alfa Tari. Um, that is some exciting stuff coming up here. Um, I think Ferrari is going to launch um, not only their livery, but the actual uh, Challenger they're putting out themselves. They've already renamed it the SF23. Very, very exciting stuff. Um, I am extremely excited for that, obviously, me being a Ferrari fan. Um, but I'm also excited for every other team to uh, launch their livery, and hopefully we get a glimpse at what their car is going to look like as well. Um, I guess of the 10 teams on the grid, I, I realistically, there's only five teams that can fight for a championship when they are at their absolute best. And those five teams are Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, and Alpine. When they are at their absolute best, they can fight for a championship. The other five teams, when they're at their absolute best, I, I it's it sucks because I don't think they're going to be able to fight for a championship when they're at their absolute best. They just don't have the resources um, some of these other teams have, and uh, I, I I just don't I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough to say. Like Alpha Tauri, I don't think they have any interest in winning a championship at all. Um, I. They're really just a development team, I think, for a Red Bull. Um, it's 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 strange. It's very strange how how that happens. Um, it's it's almost like it it's almost like they don't want to win a championship, and they it's it's almost frustrating to a point where like you know if you're on the grid, why why are you even why are you even bothering if you if you're not trying to win? You know, I guess they're just trying to impress their sponsors, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, some other fun news here. This is pretty cool. Uh, Charles Leclerc, he's the Ferrari driver. He drives for Ferrari, not the Ferrari driver. He's a driver for Ferrari. Charles Leclerc, he got to drive Michael Schumacher's F2003, his championship winning car from 2003 around the Yas Marina circuit in Abu Dhabi. Um, if you get a chance to watch the onboard footage of that, it is magnificent. There is not a better sounding car in all of motorsport ever than the V10 engine from Ferrari. Nothing. It is it, oh, it's just it's magnificent. The the onboard footage itself, it's in that wide angle lens too, which makes it seem like the car is just going so much faster and, and the noise itself, it's just so scary and violent. It it almost, you know, the sound makes it feel like it's going faster. You know, even though these cars, the cars from the early 2000s and the mid-2000s aren't as fast as the car today, I don't care. The sound itself is one of the reasons why I got hooked into Formula 1. It is beautiful. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I wish I wish they were to bring, um, I really wish they were to bring the, the V10s back. They never will because of the fuel rate and, and the you know the reliability of the engines. But, oh my god, just fantastic. And I I hope that is not the only championship-winning Ferrari that Charles Leclerc will have ever driven. Meaning, I hope one of the Ferraris he drives coming up here this year or next year is a championship-winning Ferrari. 
Um, very, very cool stuff. If you get a chance, go watch the onboard footage and, and just the sound. It's it's awesome. So uh, that being said, um, that's pretty much all I got for you today. Again, car launch season part one. Uh, next episode, we'll be highlighting part two of the car launches, the remaining six teams that have to launch their car. Again, very, very excited for that, and uh, everyone else is as well, I'm certain of that. Um, yeah, thank you so much for uh, for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter, at DRSActivatedPod. Uh, not much going on there still. As of yet, we're still just uh, getting launched here, and um, uh, hopefully uh, very soon we will uh, be taking off and um, expanding our reach. Um, So thank you again for listening, and I hope to see you uh, all here next time for part two of car launch season. You all have a great rest of your day. Take care.